FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Special welcome to all of our listeners here this morning on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? I'm thankful that I guess it's a special morning as we're giving out special welcomes to all the people that are listening. Yeah. I guess they're special to us. I've just never heard you say special. that. That's well, awesome. we've got a new introduction. I've got to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, that's got to find what feels comfortable. Work it through a few times. Uh-huh. Have a bit of practice. Come up with a new intro. Yeah. Speaking of practice, yes. and speaking of things to be grateful for, I am just like, I'm just a basketball gun, Lyle. You have no idea. It's just, yeah. just smashing it on the court. Oh, you should see me. I crossed someone yesterday. You know what that means? I had nope. the ball in one hand, and then I bounced it over to the basketball. other hand, and I ran around them. I felt like such a such a G. I'm I'm actually like the worst basketball player ever, but I've just been like really into it lately. So I've been I've trying been to, really I've hard. I've been to a basketball match in the United States. Oh yeah, where? Denver, Colorado. Oh, you saw the it's the Nuggets, right? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Who did producer Shell? Who did we see? She doesn't remember it. <laughs> they were two of the big US teams. Where okay. I know nothing about basketball, uh-huh. but we were staying with relatives who are big into basketball, uh-huh. and they were going. And they had free tickets, and they're like, come along. I'm like, yeah, why not? I'll, Let's go. I'll go. And I'm like, which side are we cheering for? And that, that side. And I'm like, okay, so I cheer <laughs> for that side. Yes. That's and, awesome. And, and it was a backstage pass as well, so I got to meet all these tall guys and get their autographs, who I have never have any idea who they were. Or Wow. Yeah, that's, it's just not my game, but... That's incredible. I'm glad you're awesome. Yeah, right? well, well it, it wasn't my game for a long time, but now it is. Like, basketball is so fun. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. But a very special welcome this morning to producer Shanna. Yeah. She's out there with producer Shell. She's learning the ropes, and she's they're, they're doing an amazing job together. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, uh, yeah, Lawson, what have we got for the first clue for our quiz this morning? Our first clue for the quiz. When Saul defeated the Amalekites, which king did he spare? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And if you call and text that number, you and call or text that number and answer correctly, you will go into the draw to win our two biographical books for this week. They will be drawn on Friday. They are called A Thousand Shall Fall and No Heil Hitler. So if you like biographies. Yep. If you like history. If you like World War Two. If you like World War Two stories. And if you hate Nazis. Then and love God, <laughs> these books are for you. No, not if you hate Nazis. If you hate Nazism, that that's what I meant. Yes, that's no, what I, I, know, I know. I know what you meant. Of course, that's what I meant. That's what you meant. Well, these people were ministering to their fellow Nazis. They were trying to lead them to Christ. Absolutely, and successfully, did a fantastic at times. job. Yes. Yeah. So praise the Lord for them. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. And again, that question was: When Saul defeated the Amalekites, which king did he spare? Okay. Send us through your answers, but right now let's have some positively different news. Well, uh, starting off with a piece of news that is maybe not that positive from the outset, but has turned very positive. Um, Iraq currently is suffering from drought. This is not good. No, that's not positive. But because they're suffering from drought, they've got some water reservoirs there that they've been slowly taking water out of to support the different crops and plants and whatnot in the area. Drought's something we are very familiar with in this country. That's right. But imagine during your drought, as you're draining out a reservoir, using that water to 
grow crops and plants and different things that you find in the basin of a reservoir an entire ancient city. Wait a minute. So they didn't know this was there before they built the reservoir? Mm -mm. Now they've drained it? And somehow the water has brought it to... How does this even work? Okay, so basically the reservoir isn't completely drained, okay? It's it's going down. It's it's going down down and there's created a bit of an island in the middle. Yes. And on this... Well, a little bit of a point. And on this island slash point, uh, they realized when they went and looked at it and, you know, considered it, they were like, that's a brick in the ground. Yes. And then so they started digging and they're like, this brick... It's connected to another brick. It's connected to lots of other bricks that are, this is a wall, and this is a stairwell, and this is a street. So all they saw is just a big old dirt blob. You know, that's all they said, a big dirt hill. And now they're digging out this dirt hill that was previously covered by water that they couldn't see. And now they're finding a full-on ancient city that they're dating to around 1500 to 1300 BC. So this is going to create a ethical problem for the archaeologists. Yeah. You need water, so you need to fill the reservoir That's back right. Up. This is what they're, they're struggling with. But you now have a historical site. What are you going to do with it? So they have just been going gung-ho as fast as they can with as many people that they can get on board. They've got a German team. They've got a Kurdish team just digging out and mapping this ancient city. Okay, so basically what's happened then, I can see how this would work, right? So let's think that you build a, a new dam, right? And, uh-huh. and you're going to flood all of this land and say there's pastures and there's some bush and whatnot. Uh-huh. We, we, we can see lots of dams around Australia like that. You can see the, you know, the dead trees poking up from where they flooded the thing, you know, 50, 100 years ago, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that might be left there. And then all of that vegetation dies. Mm-hmm. The water level drops. As it drops... There is opportunity for erosion because there's no vegetation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that brings to light an archaeological site. So they've actually flooded a tell. Yeah. And yeah. so they've flooded it, and now, yeah, they're and, and now getting it's been in exposed, there. And so they're digging it out. They're digging it out. They believe it belongs to the Mitanni Empire. I think that's how you pronounce that. Mitanni, Mitanni, something like this. Um, again, those years between 1500 and 1300 BC, they say that the city itself could be Zaki, Zakhiku. I, I, I think that is the pronunciation of I don't that. know this one from the Bible. Yeah, I don't think it's a biblical site. This is over in Iraq, so yes. it's a little bit removed. Yes, there's not as many biblical sites in Iraq, but there are biblical sites. You've That's got, right. Uh, you've got Babylon. That's right. You know, there's a bunch of them there that are mentioned in the Bible. Some of them that are very prominent. Some of them that just have a, you know, a, a passing reference. But it's really cool, all the photos that are coming out of it, of all the stone brick structures, and they're finding, like, pots and clay jars and everything that have just been preserved in the dirt and just finding all kinds of things. It's, it's amazing. And, like, I think this would just be incredible, like, like you, I have a solution. Oh, what, what what should they do? They should they should excavate the whole thing, leave it in situ, right? Mm-hmm. Flood it again, mm. and make it a diving site. That would be awesome. So you can come from all over the world, yeah. and you can dive on an ancient city, and that's like a tourist attraction. Exactly. As well. Like an ancient city is cool, but you're in the middle of the desert in Iraq, and you're underwater, and you're underwater. That would be the ultimate bragging rights. I went diving for the weekend. Oh, that's great. Where did you go diving for weekend? In the middle of the desert. In Iraq. In Iraq. In an ancient city. 
That's Come on, like I've just solved it. We just, have, right here, on, <laughs> we solve problems on Faith FM. We do, we that's, do. That, right here on the breakfast show, it's done. <laughs> it's it's sorted. We have it sorted. Awesome. We have the future of Iraq uh, and their economy put back together. Let's do something great for the Iraqi people. <laughs> that's amazing. Hey, uh, some other interesting news. So some. Research was done by Yale. Now, Yale is a very famous, very, you know, up, upper class university in the United States. And they did some research into festivals and gatherings and okay. lots of research. Has I been, like festivals. I like gatherings. Big camp is amazing. Yeah. Lots of research has been done into festivals and gatherings from all different kinds of perspective. There, what they wanted, they wanted to look at specifically secular festivals and gatherings like music festivals. And they wanted to look at the effect that it had on people in terms of making them closer to their communities and drawing them to do more good things and become better people. Now, interestingly, the results of this was that 63% of participants felt more likely if they went to a secular music festival to do good things for others. Okay, so this is good. The secular world is copying what God created when God said, have festivals, have them on regular occasions. You look at the Old Testament and uh they had seven annual festivals every year. So the world copies it and it works. Surprise, surprise. That's right. And I think it's just so interesting. It's like, okay, we went to a secular music festival. One of the ones that was highlighted in the research was Burning Man. Now, Burning Man is this wild... Drug yeah, it's fueled, pretty, it's super out there. Like yeah, really? they're like, yeah, we went to Burning Man, and it changed our life, and it made us happier as people. And I'm like, if mm. that, if if you are being led to being happier and more connected to community through Burning Man, then try big please camp. come to church. Please, try big camp. Come to big camp. <laughs> come to, come to big camp. Come to church. Like if you want a social gathering that will enable you to help more people, be closer to a community that loves you, like. Come to check. And if you're wondering what Big Camp is and what Lawson and I are talking about, it's something that happens. There is one in each state of Australia. Mm. These are some of the largest gatherings of Christians that take place every year. Some of them go for a long weekend. Some of them go for a full week of like eight days, uh, depending on what state you are in. There are thousands of people that turn up. I know that uh, the one in South Queensland is one of the biggest in the world. There's like over 5,000 people go to that Mm. one. Here in New South Wales, I think we have like two and a half to three and a half thousand. Mm. These are big gatherings. They're great festivals and they are festivals that draw you closer to God. They are festivals that are deeply spiritual events. You will be blessed and so much more than what if you went to Burning Man. I would that- challenge anyone to go to both Burning Man and Big Camp and tell me <laughs> which one they came away. I challenge any secular person to go to those two and tell me which one they came away more blessed from. Well, out of the 2,000 people that they interviewed, 28% of those people said that a part of their transformative experience was taking psychedelic substances. So that's over a quarter. Mm, But if you want to come to a music festival where there's, or just a festival in general, a gathering full of people where there isn't that, (laughs) <laughs> well, there's less of it, drastically less of it. There would be, you know, hey, you get any large group of people, you're going to have a bit of dodgy behaviour going on. Uh-huh. But you come to an event where um, recreational drugs, including alcohol, are banned. Mm-hmm. And you can actually... A different atmosphere. You can actually so grow closer to people with a sober mind, a sober heart. So much closer. And it's, it's incredible. Like the experience yes. of actually knowing people and knowing that they love and care about you because you're doing that experience not based on the fact that you are intoxicated or high or whatever. You are, you are, you know, people talk about being in the moment. <laughs> this is, it's like being, like taking drugs takes you out of the moment. Isn't that the point of That's drugs? Right. Uh-huh. But talk about being the moment. You can actually spend time with people and love each other. It's amazing. 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lawson, let's have another question for our quiz. Yes. Some more people can get their names in the draw and get their names more times in the draw. Mm -hmm. According to Exodus, the Israelites store the Ten Commandments in what object? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. This is a very famous object. You know, lots of appearances and pop culture and whatnot. If you know the answer, 0491-064-669. And if you do and you answer correctly, you will go into the draw to win a thousand shuffle and no hail Hitler. The amazing stories of people who stood for their faith in World War II under the Nazi regime. But again, that number was 0491-064-669. According to Exodus, the Israelites store the Ten Commandments in what object? Okay, and coming through on the text line, we've got the Iraqi city fan in the bottom of the dam. You would think that nowadays the scientific community could use infrared photography. I must admit your idea was really good, a win-win solution. I, I think it was just genius. Genius, came yeah. To my, came to my mind just off the spur of the moment. Uh, the one thing that does go through my mind is that most reservoirs tend to have silted up muddy water in them, mm-hmm. and it might not be the greatest diving location. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure there's a solution to this. And I, the other thing I'm wondering, too, is I wonder how well ground-penetrating radar works. Can you do that through water? Can you do it from, like, a boat? Can you map this city from just floating over the top of it? Somebody who, who knows about ground-penetrating radar. Yeah, my friend, I have no idea. Yeah, just, just give us a text message or give us a call and tell us... Uh, What's taking place? Mm. Okay, the festivals. One is run by Satan. Yes, Burning Man is definitely run by Satan. <laughs> uh, the other is run by God. Choose carefully. Your life may depend on it. Mm-hmm. Both could, both could, may or will transform your life. Yeah. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. Your life will be transformed at either of those. Mm-hmm. The question is, in what way will it be transformed? Mm. Okay, so talking about uh, natural disasters, recently we've seen some flooding here in Australia on a catastrophic scale. Yeah. And they are questioning, you know, what the floods up at Lismore were. You know, were they a 1 in 500 event? Were they a 1 in 1,000 event or a 1 in 2,000 year event? Mm. You know, these were floods that were 1,300 millimetres above the 1 in 100 year event. Wow. Which is supposed to be, you know, the all-time record. They were Mm. were 1.3 metres above the all-time record. (laughs) Which is just, so that's a new which is just crazy. Well, the United States is being hit by floods right now with Yellowstone National Park being absolutely smashed uh, with many kilometres of road and bridges just being washed away. And when you see the footage of the amount of... The, the, the distance, the amount of roads that have actually been washed away, and this is the US, this is not where they do things, you know, by halves. This is not a developing country. These are really well-built roads that were designed to withstand Mm. any kind of flooding. That would ever happen. Mm. And it's not just like the floodwaters have sort of, you know, eroded the river up to the edge. The river is actually now running through where the road used to be (laughs) in so many places for so many kilometres. Wow. Like you will never put the road back there again. Mm. It, it's it's gone forever it's from done. those locations. It's, it's it's completely done. You'll never have a road. I mean, this is this is this is more damage to the road system than what we saw here in Australia. Mm. So it's pretty wild flooding. They only went six hundred and fifty millimeters above their one in one hundred year flood or their all time record that was set in nineteen eighteen, and that's still a decent amount above the record. 
Mm. You know, this is usually when flood records are broken, they're broken by, you know, inches or, you know, say 50 millimetres or whatever. Mm. This was broken by 650 and it kind of makes you wonder, you know, what are we facing in the future? Because the Bible talks about the increase of natural disasters. The closer we get to the return of Christ, uh, this was caused by a mixture of excessive rainfall and high temperatures, which caused a very rapid snow melt. Mm. All came washing down the river. Okay, moving to Asia. Uh, Asia has just uh, launched their first exorcism center. Now, when we talk about okay, exorcism, this is wild. I'm, I'm actually. Yeah. This is kind of scary. Okay, it's so demons, demons, are, demons are real, uh-huh. and uh, casting out of demons along with healing is something that all Christians are called to participate in. It is not something that we should be afraid of. In that. If we are covered by the blood of Jesus and filled with his Holy Spirit, these demons cannot touch us, but at the same time, it's not something that we should approach lightly because we are dealing with beings of power that is so far over and above and beyond us. Mm. Anyway, this is the uh, St. Michael Center. Uh, It will be used as the headquarters of the Philippine Association of Catholic Exorcists. Mm. Um, it will also be used by the Ministry of Exorcism Office and the Ministry on Visions and Phenomenon Office. So the focus of this center is on training priests how to carry on, how to carry exor- how to carry out, I should say, exorcisms, which I find a little bit strange. It's not something that you really need training for. You just need to read what did Jesus do when he cast out demons? Mm. What was the example that he gave to us? There is no magic that is involved in this. There is no rituals that are involved in this. There is simply prayer to God that is involved in this and surrender of the will to the will of God, like total surrender. That's what's involved in the casting out of demons. When you start adding a whole bunch of stuff that you don't find in the Bible, like you don't find it anywhere in the Bible, Mm. my fear is that you will end up putting in more demons than you take out. (laughs) Yeah, Particularly, you know, look at some of these rituals and it's like, really, that's not, nothing to do with the Bible or Jesus that has its roots in spiritualism, what is actually going on here. But anyway, uh, so they'll have specific rooms to do the rituals as well as rooms for counselling and interviews. Uh, Jose Francisco Sequeira is the chief exorcist for the Philippines. He says this is a product of more than seven years of planning and fundraising. And, of course, in the Roman Catholic Church, and this is also interesting, and I just want to challenge our Catholic uh, listeners here this morning, it only allows certain Catholic priests to perform exorcisms and only with the permission of a bishop. That's not what you find in the Bible. Mm. In the Bible, this was something that was given to all believers Mm. to do and to practice. Mm -hmm. There are so many... So, so many supernatural and uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? But there are so many things that people use that, you know, they see as being magic, you know, magic water, magic Bibles, magic whatever it might be. Uh-huh. The only thing that's going to give it any power is the power of God mm. coming in through the full surrender of the will and through prayer. Yeah. There's no magic in, you know, placing a Bible under your pillow or on top of your head or oil or water or any of those kinds of things. It is only it is only the power of God coming in that's actually going to make a change. Mm. It's interesting that you made a point about the traditions. Like exorcism in and of itself is this idea of like 
cleansing the person and like a total and utter, you know, rejection of, of the things that are keeping them bound. And I just think like, oh man, then you're binding your, yourself and them as you're doing it with tradition. Like, doesn't it go against the idea of what exorcism is, is all about? If you bring in all this, this extra stuff, like, yeah, it's kind of scary. Talking about demons, there's a very important meeting happening uh, in today being hosted by the uh, by ACL, the uh, Australian Christian Lobby, and this is in relationship to the Tasmania Reform Institute uh, report titled Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity Conversion Practices, and this will basically ban any kind of conversation on this subject, uh, which is you know way beyond anything that has been produced anywhere in Australia, or pretty much in the world up until this particular point. Mm. A wide range of conduct for parents, health practitioners, religious and other leaders. Uh, It Basically, it asserts that normal discussions and exchanges of ideas are harmful and promote hate speech and child abuse. So, for instance, a parent who questions a child's sudden manifestation of gender confusion and says something like, you should seek some counselling, will go down for child abuse. (laughs) Yikes. That's that's what they Yikes. are proposing in Tasmania. So, that is what they are no. proposing in Tasmania. And what they are actually proposing is legislating child abuse. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, Woe to those that call evil good and good evil. Mm. That put darkness for light and lightness for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And this is the... This is the craziness of our world right now, where our world has is 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 rushing headlong into the most evil practices as hard and as fast as they possibly can. And this can only be a sign that Jesus is coming back soon because mm. the Bible says, expect this. Expect the world to be like Sodom and Gomorrah just before Jesus comes back. This should be our expectation, and we should address it wherever we can. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are about to have another clue for our quiz, another question for our quiz. Of course, you have the opportunity of being able to answer all five of them and get your name in five times for Mm -hmm. this week's prize. Mm -hmm. Which of the four Gospels says, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, Neither hid that shall not be known. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you can go in the draw to win A Thousand Shall Fall and Know Hal Hitler. Amazing biographies from World War II and people standing for their faith against the Nazi regime. And again, that question was, which of the four Gospels says there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known? 0491 Nine. Okay, give us a call or text right now so that you can get your name in the draw. But joining us on the phone right now uh, for our weekly interview on emotional health is Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, it's good to be here. Jennifer, we always look forward to what you have to say. We've been talking about the three brains. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you can give us just a, a just a, a brief reminder of what our three brains are and then let's launch into what we're talking about today. Well, that's what I was going to start with because we have um, three parts to the brain that are meant to synchronise and work together and that is we have a survival brain um, and that protects us. It's not conscious, it doesn't think, but it reacts 
Um, and then we have an emotional brain where we load in and store emotional memories as well as visual or contextual memories. And then we have a thinking or intelligent brain that is consciously aware and it works with these two brains. Now, one of the things that our brain is programmed with are beliefs. Um, and some of those are programmed when we um, prior birth because we have habits and links that are already um, in you know what we call the genetic coding. Um, and then as soon as we're born, we are, are just learning at an incredibly rapid rate. We learn at a faster rate in those first few years of life than we will for the rest of our life. It then slows down. And we, the brain prunes. If there's, there's links that it isn't needed, then those links drop out and uh, the baby will observe and interact and grow. And it depends on that environment as to what their beliefs are. And as we know, beliefs that are programmed are to do with social, family, friendships, relationships, uh, religious beliefs, political beliefs. So the brain has to do a lot. It's uh, an amazing tool that we have here. It is indeed. And, you know, I, I guess the thing that, you know, out of our whole body, the brain is the least understood organ that we have. How much do we actually really know about the brain compared to, say, how much we would know about the heart or the lungs? Well, interestingly, probably I'd estimate maybe 50% about the brain. Um, technology is unfolding more. But, I mean, a few years ago they said we know about 30%, so I'd say that's increased. Um, and but the heart is been, has been also an unknown frontier and they're finding now the heart is an incredibly intelligent, intricate organ that is the centre of our universe, basically. It's the centre of the whole system. So it's now, um, I think the heart would be on par with the brain that we know not know a lot about the heart either and uh, that's unfolding as well. So they're two frontiers that, are unexplored still, which is amazing. Well, it is, particularly because, I mean, if you go back 30 years ago, we we would claim that we knew pretty much everything there was to know about the heart. It was just a pump. It was just a thing in our body that pushed blood around. And now we're suddenly realising, no, wait a minute, we actually don't know what's going on in the heart. There's so much more than what we've already discovered so far. Absolutely. So that's sort of been an amazing decade, particularly of discovery of the heart and the brain. And I've said before that the heart... um, is more of the focus of our intelligence and what we do and the brain. And that was first developed when we're, when we're in fetal development and then the brain follows. Um, but what connects the heart and the brain is a nervous system called the vagal nervous system. And that goes throughout the, the whole body and any impulse from the heart or thought in the brain is connected via that network of neurons or network of, um, I guess it's a bit like roads or freeways. So or maybe a wiring loom. Yes, yes, it is. And I see it like a freeway or a wiring loop. And particularly in the brain, we have what we call that neuroplasticity, where until the day we die, the brain can grow and change. You know, they used to think that you're born with X amount of cells in the brain and then they died out and it got worse as you got older but that's not true we actually if we keep our brain active for our life then it's going to grow and change um, and that's where life becomes enjoyable and interesting so we mustn't ever think that the brain can't change 
Um, and that's what I thought maybe we can look at a bit more today is how do we change a brain? What are our beliefs and how are they programmed and how do we deal with them? Yes, um, yes. Yeah, because that's one of the things I do help people with. Um, so what happens, our beliefs are formed and beliefs are programmed in, and that's like we have these three ways in the brain of particular belief systems. Um, and it might be a belief about um, our culture, cultural beliefs, for example. And the more we see, the more we hear, the more we read, or the input strengthens that belief, so it can become a major belief. Now, not all our beliefs are correct, because our beliefs can be based on fears, trauma, things that have happened, certainly in our childhood. And if we don't change those beliefs, then we keep actioning them, which is why we have so much mental illness, because trauma beliefs um, underpin, I believe, the majority of mental health problems today, which is depression, anxiety, and all those types of disorders. So they're very, we can recover really well from those types of illnesses if we change the way the brain functions and thinks. So um, I have a good example, like with fear, how, um, for example, a child bitten by a dog can grow up with a fear of dogs. Mm -hmm. And they don't remember that they were bitten by the dog. All they know is if they see a dog, they, they develop a dog phobia, basically. They go into fear, trauma, they have to run away or they can't cope. Now, the brain has the capacity to what we call fast track or slow track. So when you have a trauma, what the brain does, instead of going to the thinking brain, it goes straight to the emotional brain. So, and it's programmed in the five senses. So when that person can see, smell, hear uh, a dog, um, then what happens is it fast tracks into that emotional memory bank and they haven't been able to slow it down and think about it. So that means that program that's gone in is fear-based and it rules their life. Uh -huh. Hence people who have phobias and fears. Lawson's got that, Lawson's that got is like oh I just so I got I got stung by like three wasps wasps across my <laughs> finger when I was like seven and I just hear like the bzzz, or I see something like zipping around that's yellow and immediately my heart starts pounding I'm like freaking <laughs> out even if it's a bee like or even if it's a mosquito or something but that that one noise like that think of oh it could be a wasp like just sends yeah. me and I'm just start struggling like yeah. I just start really freaking out. Well, that's the fast tracking. Uh -huh. What I do is make people slow track, and the slow track means instead of going straight to the emotional memory bank, the brain can actually process it. And this is where the left side of the brain is the processor. So if you can slow the information down, step back, and actually think it through, um, then you can mm -hmm. change that programming. Um, because, for example, the adult who's afraid of dogs one of the things I would do is say, well, how do you know the dog was going to bite you? And they don't. They just go into fear. And I say, well, what does a dog look like when it bites you or when it's vicious? And they describe it. And I say, well, was that dog like that? And they go, no. I said, well, what was the dog doing? It was wagging its tail and wanting, you know, wanting to come over and be patted. And so I get them to recognize what is fearful and what isn't fearful. How can the, the thinking brain discern? And then you can work from there. And they've never thought of that because all dogs are going to bite. It's like all wasps are going to bite you if that, that's the issue. Mm -hmm. 
um, and getting them to look at protecting themselves and how can, first of all, they not run away and... Um, I mean, I guess with the wasp, it's a bit harder because they're in the air and... You know, don't remind me. Don't remind me. I know. <laughs> All right, slow down, Lawson. Slow down. Slow down. <laughs> but you can move away. Say, no, nah, if I hear that, I'm just going to move. So you put in... If you put in a safety mechanism, then you protect yourself. Mm. I'll just go straight back inside. And this is where that breathing... Because what happens when you have that fear memory... Um, and this is where the vagal nerve system sends that fear all over the place, particularly into the heart area, and every cell of the body is programmed with that fear. So when you calm the heart down, which is what we've said over the last few weeks, and you do that slow breathing and focus on the heart, it will bring back your capacity to slow track the information and think about it. While the heart rate's up and the brain is in crisis, um, it won't. You'll just fast track it. You'll go straight through that right side of the brain into emotional memory. So I think people slow track things instead of fast track them. Yes, I really appreciate this this concept of slow tracking versus fast tracking with these with these oh. phobias. And I guess one of the things that sort of jumped into my mind when you're talking about you know somebody who has a fear of dogs because they have been mm-hmm. bitten by a dog you know as a young person or at some point in their life. What about fears and phobias? that mm-hmm. don't come from, that don't originate in a bad experience. I'll give you an example, and, and what I'm thinking of is I know a lot of people that have a major phobia of spiders, but I don't know anyone who's ever been bitten by a spider and tells me, like, oh, I got bitten by the spider and had this terrible that terrible thing yeah. happening. I'm assuming the same principles of slow tracking versus fast tracking yeah. will work, but will. why do we have some of these instinctive fears? And irrational in many ways because, I mean, we have very few spiders that will actually do you damage in Australia. Yeah, well, when you have a look, if you're as a child, you learn about spiders and you hear there are lots of dangerous spiders and if they bite you, you can die, that's enough to set up a fear in a child. Right. And if we have, if we have a parent who's like, sometimes mum might be terrified of spiders and get rid of them all and spray them and go, oh, they bite and hurt and the child soon learns and grows up with that fear. They yes. don't have to have it directly done to them. So, uh, but then you, you, if you teach them and educate them and get them to find out about what spiders are dangerous and if I see one, what will I do? You educate. It helps them to slow track instead of get become fearful. Mm, mm. No, this is really good advice. And I think there's some great advice for parenting right there. There are so many, oh, you know, phobias mm. that, you know... Not huge phobias, but definitely fears that I grew up with that many of them, you know, irrational to some extent. Spiders Absolutely. and snakes and, you know, all of the, mm-hmm. the nasty, bitey creatures that, you know, as parents we talk about, you know, being nasty, bitey creatures. Well, not all of them are nasty, bitey creatures. No, but it's, it's good to be cautious. I was brought yes. up in the Adelaide Hills and uh, snakes and that were part of our life and I'm not afraid of them, but I'm cautious to know what snake it is. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where the fear brain is, or sorry, the, the, um, that, well, that, the, that part of the brain, sorry, the uh, which brain? Survival brain. The survival brain is important because it actually keeps us alive when something turns up that is actually a nasty, bitey creature. Well, that's when we need the adrenaline surge and the heart rate going to uh, go danger, danger. 
But when we're doing it with things that aren't dangerous, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then if we continue it and see everything like that as dangerous versus, no, it's only that, say, particular snake, um, then uh, yeah, this is where we have to learn that discernment. And you can only do that with your thinking brain, that left side of the brain. And then you reprogram. Once you get, but this is where truth is powerful. Once you know the truth, the brain soon reprograms. And this is what I love about um, the Bible and what I learn. It teaches me truth, and that helps to take fear away. Because uh, yes. we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amazing. It certainly does. And this is one of the – I absolutely agree with you right there. One of the things that I see in our world today is that so many people have no foundation. They have nothing that, they, that, that gives them any solidity. There's your truth, my truth, everybody else's truth. And so people are completely adrift, and as a result of that – it's impossible to have faith because how do you have faith in something that is not real? And without faith, it's impossible to have hope. And without hope, yes. a person becomes just despondent and mm. loses, loses their way in life. Yeah, and if we're given a fear message about God or the Bible or the devil or whatever, then, of course, we're going to live that fear. It's the same principle and it has to be oh, reprogrammed. Yes. Mm. This is so mm. true. There's just light bulbs going off in my mind right now because... There is a, you know, and I don't think so much right now, but there has been a generation that has come through and that still exists mm-hmm. that grew up with a a concept of a God that they were afraid of, particularly in you know, some, yeah, an mm-hmm. angry God, mm-hmm. a God to be a, to be scared of. It varies from one culture to another, and there are still cultures that look at God in this way. Mm-hmm. I agree. And uh, this can really have a major effect on how we view God and how we, re- we react to spiritual things. Absolutely. And this is where that principle of truth will set you free is, is definitely true. So mm. we should be truth seekers all the time. Yes. It's something we're afraid of. We need mm. to look, what is the truth? Absolutely. Uh, what, is, what is reality? What is the truth rather than just some, well, this is my truth, this is your truth, but what is actually the truth? <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast Show this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.